0: Hi, my name is David Elstein, and this is the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery podcast. Each episode is designed to help busy orthopedic surgeons learn more about the ABUS and board certification. This episode is slightly different. It is the audio recording of the webinar in the 2023 subspecialty examination. You will hear from Dr. David Martin, ABUS Executive Medical Director. More information about the subspecialty examinations can be found on www.abus.org. If you enjoy this episode of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts you know next episode is posted.
1: This is a subspecialty certification examination application webinar, so if you're interested in applying for subspecialty certification in either surgery of the hand or orthopedic sports medicine, uh, you're in the right place, and we'll go ahead and get started. I thought I'd start with the... Uh, mission statement of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery, and that's depicted here. Our mission is to ensure safe, ethical, and effective practice of orthopedic surgery. And we do that by maintaining the highest standards for education, practice, and conduct through examination, certification, and maintenance of certification. And we do that for the benefit of the public, for our patients, and for our profession. I'd also like to cover one of our guiding principles The American Board of Orthopedic Surgery believes that there's no place for bias or discrimination within the field of orthopedic surgery or within our organization. With those out of the way, I'd like to introduce you to our board of directors, and I do this for several reasons. This is the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery board of directors at our fall meeting uh, in last year, uh, fall, uh, October, and I just wanna let you know that these are practicing orthopedic surgeons just like you and I, and they take our programs very seriously trying to get things right. They serve uh, with no remuneration, serve as volunteers. And I also show you that to let you know that they are dedicated and they go through the very same processes as you and I. This is their initial dates of certification and recertification dates. And also you see either hand surgery or sports medicine there for those individuals who have subspecialty certification. So I would encourage you, if you have any questions about our programs, don't hesitate to contact any one of these individuals. They're dedicated to getting it right. So what will we go over tonight as an overview of our webinar, we'll cover the subspecialty certification requirements, what's required to become subspecialty certified. We'll go over the nuts and bolts of the application, We'll talk about the case list that you would submit, and then we'll answer any questions you have. And as we go along, if you raise your hand in Zoom, then we will recognize that and call on you as you have your hand raised and hopefully unmute you, and then you can ask your question and we'll answer it. We'll try and answer everyone's questions. So subspecialty certification, what is subspecialty certification? We award subspecialty certification in two areas, orthopedic sports medicine and surgery the hand. And you can see that right now in orthopedic sports medicine, we have about 2,700 subspecialty certified diplomates. In surgery the hand, we have about 2,200, and we have 36 diplomates who hold both subspecialty certificates in addition to holding board certification in general orthopedic surgery. And who is eligible for subspecialty certification? ABOS diplomates, board certified ABOS diplomates, who have demonstrated additional qualifications in either of those fields, orthopedic sports medicine or surgery of the hand. And what are those additional qualifications? Number one, they need to have received additional training in the form of an ACGME accredited fellowship. They also need to demonstrate the volume and diversity of cases in either sports medicine or hand surgery. And we demonstrate that by use of a case list. And finally, they need to have made significant contributions to those fields, and we verify that by letters of recommendation. So an overview of uh, how subspecialty certification is obtained, someone meets the requirements, they then submit a case list to the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery and complete a subspecialty examination application. Finally, they submit the application fee and the examination fee, and then they sit for the examination. All of those requirement documents and fees are submitted through your Diplomate Dashboard, and that's found by going to www.abos.org and log in with your username and password, and then there's a menu on the left, and you'll click on Subspecialty Certification, and that will allow you to submit uh, all those features, the application, the case list, and the fees. As far as meeting the requirements, a person must be board certified by the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery. They have to have completed a one-year ACGM accredited fellowship in either orthopedic sports medicine or surgery of the hand. Finally, that fellowship must have been accredited at the time the fellowship was completed. So the fellowship has to be accredited at the time the fellowship was completed by the individual. And then they have to be engaged in the practice of either sports medicine or surgery of the hand. And that's what produces the case list. So how does one submit a case list? We collect all operative cases from a consecutive 12 month period that falls within the 24 month preceding the February 2023 application deadline. So right now the applications are available. The deadline is February 1, 2023. So from the preceding 24 months back to February 1st of 2021, you choose a consecutive 12 month period and collect all operative cases during that time period. You only include those primary surgical cases where you were the primary surgeon that pertain to either orthopedic sports medicine or surgery of the hand. And I'll tell you how to uh, figure out if those cases pertain in those fields in just a few minutes. Those cases are submitted through the ABOS Scribe Caseless Collection System and that's found on your ABOS Diplomate Dashboard. There's an instructional video on our website at www.abos.org that will show you how to use the Scribe system. For the sports medicine case list, you include all orthopedic sports medicine cases in that 12-month collection period. That includes a minimum of 125 cases during that 12 months, and at least 75 of those cases must involve arthroscopy as some component of the procedure. We also ask you to submit as part of that 125, 10 cases that are patients who are treated non-operatively. And finally, the sports medicine procedures, they're basically those that treat injuries or conditions that are related to or interfere with exercise, sports participation, or physical lifestyle. And that CPT code list is found on the ABOS website. So on the ABOS website, we have a CPT code list that says these are the procedures that qualify for that particular case list. And the rules and procedures uh, on our website at that location also indicate those types of cases. For the surgery of the hand case list, you need to include all surgery of the hand cases during that 12 month collection period. Again, it's a minimum of 125 cases. In surgery of the hand, you may extend that time period to 15 months To get to that 125 cases. And you must fulfill a minimum number of surgeries in at least five of nine categories. And the full list of categories and the number of cases that are required in each category is found in the rules and procedures. So hand surgery cases have been divided into nine categories, and you have to meet the minimums in, in at least five of those nine categories. And those are procedures performed on the upper extremity, distal to the elbow, and the acceptable CPT code list is found at the ABOS website. Please understand uh, that that surgery, the hand case list, again, we have a joint certificate with the American Board of Plastic Surgery and the American Board of Surgery, and that's, that case list, that CPT code list is arrived at jointly by those three boards. The application is also available on the ABOS website. That requests general information that's routinely found on application that you're used to filling out of this type. We have streamlined that with drop-down menus as much as possible to make it easier to complete. A few notes. If you're set to renew your general orthopedic surgery certificate, and remember from your initial certification, that's good for 10 years, you can apply for both renewing your general certificate and the subspecialty examination and only take one examination, you need to complete both applications. And now, if you need to, you can complete that application at year four of your 10-year cycle. So that will open that up a little bit and allow you to combine those certificates and renew your general certificate and obtain your subspecialty uh, certificate with one examination. And those instructions uh, can be found on our website or please don't hesitate to call us uh, to uh, get the, the information as to how to do that. You will need a fellowship certificate. You'll need to scan that and upload that as a PDF. You'll also need letters of recommendation that will be uploaded with the application as a PDF as well. As far as the deadlines for the application and the examination fees, Sorry, I believe we went ahead one there. Hang on Let me go back one. The application fee is $450. That's due with the application and the caseless submission. Again, that's due February 1, 2023 at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if you need two additional weeks, there's a $350 late fee. You can pay that and then your deadline is February 15, 2023 at 4 p.m. You don't need to pay that on February 1st. If you miss the deadline and you're submitting your case list and application late, that will be automatically added to your fee. Finally, the examination fee is $1,400. Once we receive your application and case list, review that with your application fee and your late fee if you choose to use that additional two weeks. We will review that with our credentials committee. You will get an approval to sit for the examination letter That will arrive in April of 2023, after we review the application and review the case list. And that will include the information about paying that examination fee. You have to pay the fee by May 15th, 2023, May 15th. And once you pay the fee, you'll receive a scheduling permit that will allow you to schedule the examination. And I would encourage you, as soon as you get that approval to sit letter, to go ahead and pay the fee, And that way you'll get your scheduling permit and you can schedule the examination. We'll get to the examination date in just a minute, but that will allow you to schedule the examination at the Prometric Center of your choice. If you wait, you may not be able to schedule at the particular Prometric Center where you would like to take the examination. The examinations, both in sports medicine and surgery at hand, are 175 multiple choice questions. They're given in four 60 minute blocks. There are blueprints that will let you know what types of questions are on the examinations. Those are available on our website. They can assist in your continuing education and aid in your examination planning. You'll take the examination at a prometric testing center. And once you get the approval to sit, I'd encourage you to pay the fee. Once you get the scheduling permit, that'll come sometime in July. Schedule the examination as soon as possible, and that way you'll get the examination or testing center most convenient to you. So to summarize the process, you'll submit your case list, finalize the application, and pay the application fee by February 1, 2023. We will then meet with our credentials committee, review the applications, review all the case list. That will occur in April of 2023 and you'll receive an email with approval to sit for the examination. Once you receive that approval, you pay the examination fee by May 15th, 2023. As soon as we post the scheduling permit to your Diplomate Dashboard, we'll let you know, and you can schedule the examination online for your preferred Prometric, Prometric Testing Center. That examination occurs on August 2nd, 2023. That's the only day the examination is given. It's given on one day, August 2nd, 2023. And once those results cycle through they will actually not be available till December because that's the first day that the windows open for individuals to not only take that subspecialty initial certification examination, but also take the recertification examination. And we go over all those examinations and set passing points all at one time, and that's towards the end of October and into November, and we try to get those results posted by December. So as far as the recertification process, which I just touched on, once you pass the subspecialty examination, your subspecialty certification expiration date will match your general orthopedic surgery certificate expiration date. So the expiration dates for both exam, Uh, certificates are on the same day at the same time, the end of the same year. And you'll then recertify both certificates throughout your career with one assessment every 10 years. And that will either be a computer-based recertification examination. Understand that we're now offering those recertification examinations only on every other year basis. You can take a recertification computer-based examination. You can also take an oral recertification examination that's offered every year or you can enter into our longitudinal assessment program. And that is a five out of eight year program uh, that we'll explain in another webinar or there's information on our website. Uh, we have a designated certification specialist for each diplomate. Those are assigned based on the first letter of your last name. Denise Fraser takes care of the A's and the B's. Sonia Parker takes care of people with last names beginning in C through G. Kim Grover, H through O, and finally, Morgan Graham, P through Z. Our phone number is listed there, and the emails are also listed there. Please don't hesitate to get in contact with these individuals. They're there to answer your questions. I'm also happy to answer your questions. You can set up an appointment with me at the same phone number, and I believe my email will be coming up on the last slide, but it's basically dmartin at abos.org. Uh, we are active uh, on social media. Our website has a wealth of information. I would encourage you to share with your patients. Our patient-facing website is mycertifiedorthopedicsurgeon.org. Your patients should know what you go through to become board certified. It's a meaningful uh, certificate, and they should know that. And that's well explained at mycertifiedorthopedicsurgeon.org. There are videos and uh, uh, different things there to explain to them what you go through to become board certified. We're also active in these areas on social media. Uh, please don't hesitate to follow us there. In addition, we have podcasts. Uh, they can be found at anchor.fm forward slash ABOS or wherever you find your podcast. And I would encourage you to look there. We have podcasts uh, from people who have already taken these examinations, from who have been through these processes, who have written questions, who have participated in putting these examinations together and that will help you understand our process. So I would encourage you to look for those there. And I thank you. This is my email and our phone number again. Please don't hesitate to contact us if you have any uh, questions regarding these processes. And we'll also, will be happy to answer your questions tonight. Again, please raise your hand in Zoom. And if you know anyone who has uh, missed the podcast or this webinar, it will be posted on our website. It will be also available on our podcast uh, sometime later tomorrow or the next day. Now I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing my screen
0: and we can answer any questions that you may have. i do this. Uh, that will help us. There we go. So
1: please don't hesitate to raise your hand if you have any questions. I can't imagine that no one has any questions. Denise or
0: David, did I miss anything? Nothing. No. Uh no questions from anyone. This will be a first. This must be a very advanced group. Ah uh, Uh, there's a question. Dr. Dash. Yes, hey, uh, thank you very much. I just had a quick question about the chief of surgery uh, recommendation letter. Is that in orthopedics
1: or, for instance, at my hospital, that would be the general surgeon? Who who are you looking for that letter to be from? Uh, that can be from that individual in your hospital or if that individual, it can be. Uh, Also, from the chief of orthopedic surgery. Uh, We're looking for a letter from administration in
0: the hospital, basically. Okay, so it could be either. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? seeing none. I would just spend a couple seconds
1: just going over again. If you are coming up on your recertification, or if you're in the cycle with your recertification, you can renew your general certificate and obtain subspecialty certification with one exam. And also we can work to uh, combine those case lists, or at least uh, decrease your amount of inputting cases. So I would encourage you, if you're, you're in that range, to call your certification specialist and we'll try and work through that with you. Is that correct, Denise? Did I get that correctly?
0: There should be a link when they go into scribe that says, do you want to upload your cases from
1: your part two case list? And you click that link and we automatically pull them over. Yes. OK, if you've just done part two, we can carry over those uh, cases.
0: Uh, to the subspecialty certification case list. Uh, There's a question from Dr. Cook. Hi, thank you so much for this webinar. It's uh, very informative. What is the um, pass rate? What is the percent of questions you have to get right to pass the test?
1: uh that is a good question I'm not sure uh I believe the um pass rates are uh listed at some spot on our website uh but Dr. examination Marsh, ask statistics. about how
0: many questions you have to get right to pass the examination
1: uh yeah so so the pass rates are are listed uh under subspecialty certification on the website so you can find those The pass rate, the percentage of people who pass is fairly high in the uh, 90, 95%, sometimes a little higher. As far as the percentage of questions, that depends on the the standard of the examination. And we try to um, link the exams uh, from one year to the next by uh, having um, uh, questions that are used. Uh, over and over, not from one year before, but from two, three or four years before and watch the uh, performance of those questions. And that allows us to link the exam so that you have the same uh, chance of passing uh, this year as last year or next year. So we we do a standard setting. So it's a different number of questions each year, but in any year, everybody could pass or uh, everybody could not. We set a passing standard. Uh, based on individuals who look at the examination and also based on questions that we know the performance of and how they perform year over year. I
0: hope that answers your question. Yes, thank you. Seeing none. uh, And just to add on to that last question,
1: uh, you know, as a patient, uh, or as someone taking the examination, looking at, you know, who should be board certified and who should not be board certified it, you might say, well, everyone should get hundred percent, right? We should get all the questions, right? That would be best for our patients. The problem with that is then that doesn't spread the people out so that we can choose a passing standard. And so that's why there are questions that are harder and easier and we evaluate each question and each exam uh, based on uh, the um, how many people get each question right, how many people get uh, the questions right. And it's a complicated psychometric process that evaluates the questions and looks at high test takers and low test takers and how they perform. And then we have a group of people who look at each question and say, you know, what percentage of people ought to get this question right? So it is actually a process. It's not something we just sort of pull out of the air. Um, and uh, some of that's actually explained on some of our podcasts, but um, that's why it seems like, uh, you know, the the examination seem somewhat harder than maybe they need to be because uh, we have to have the P value. That's percentage of, of people that get each question right. If you average all those, we, we like that to be, you know, in the range of 75 to to 80, 70 to 80, and that way that layers people out so we can
0: choose a pass point reasonably. Dr. Lee. Hi, thanks so much for the webinar. Um, So I was looking through the list of acceptable CPT codes and it didn't seem to kind of label them as you know, bone and joint nerve versus tendon and muscle, et cetera, are there uh, specific official guidelines on what gets classified as what? Um, I was
1: in particular looking for guidance on what counts as contracture and joint stiffness um, and what counts as skin and wound problems. Uh, yeah. Hopefully when you enter those cases onto the hand surgery list, it classifies them. The okay. scribe system does that. Is that correct, Anita? Okay. Yes. And if you think they're not, um, it's not doing that correctly, let us know. We've spent a lot of time going through the CPT code list and making sure they're in the right categories. If they're not, uh, please let us know. And then we go back to the hand surgeons uh, uh, and and let them look at that once more. But we've tried tried to put that into the scribe system. So when you enter the case, it tells you how you're doing in those categories. Okay, great. Thank you.
0: Uh, Dr. Dash, maybe another question. Uh, one more quick question. Um, if we have multiple cases that we did, uh, like a
1: carpal tunnel and a trigger finger, um, and they would count in different categories, should we
0: just choose one or the other, or should we list the the case twice, just as you know, separately?
1: Denise, help me out. I think you pick a main CPT code. We would not want you to separate all those out necessarily. You pick one main CPT code and that's where it goes. That's
0: correct.
1: The first one you enter is where it's
0: going to go. Okay, thanks. Uh, I see no more questions. Uh, If you do have any questions, again, don't
1: hesitate to call us or email us. Uh, We're happy to uh, help you work through the process. And uh, again, we thank you for your attention. Thank you to uh, David Elstein and Denise Frazier for uh, making sure I didn't make any mistakes. And, uh, but we'll be here to answer your questions. Uh, Don't hesitate to call us and we appreciate your attention. We appreciate your interest in uh, subspecialty certification. We think that this uh, sets those fields apart and uh, uh, hopefully identifies you as a subspecialist. And uh, we'd encourage you to uh, fill out the case list and apply. And if there's ways that we can make the process smoother, please don't hesitate to let us know. Our goal is to try and make the process run smoothly. So thank you very much again and uh, have a good evening.